listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Ignition sequence start. See, Elijah Wan has David Robinson. Just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook. James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I am one of your hosts, Lashara Binkley. You can find me on Space City Scoops as a contributor, director of basketball operation for Overtime Heroics. So I'm the creator of Rockets for Life on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, you can also find me on Twitter at HTownForLife40, all caps. And I'm your second host, Anthony Duckett, site co-expert at Space City Scoop. And you can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett, D-U-C-K-E-T-T. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll greatly appreciate it. All right, Anthony. So, of course, we all know what's been going on the last couple of days. So this, this podcast is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to start off with kind of giving our thoughts, um, just overall, a couple of personal experience we've dealt with. Um, also just going over what we've seen in the NBA and kind of give our, our thoughts on um, if they should start back as soon as they're planning on starting back, um, our thoughts on just the boycott in general, um, and just kind of just go over overall everything that's been happening. Uh, and then in the second segment, since um, there's pretty much been confirmation that they're going to start back in the next couple of days, we'll kind of give our thoughts on the upcoming game, kind of give a preview of, uh, Rockets Thunder that's probably going to happen uh, Friday or Saturday. Uh, but to start off with, uh, I wanted to play a couple of clips from uh, yesterday uh, from a couple of form- former NBA players that, you know, Chris Webb and Robert Ori, um, that, of course, you know, we all know pretty well, um, where they just kind of discuss some of their own experience, not as basketball players, but just as, you know, being black men. So yeah. we're going to kind of play that and then I'll kind of get your thoughts and I'll get my thoughts after we uh, finish the clips. Sure. To tell your 14 year old son that I worry about him when he walks out that door. I have a 21 year old son. I worry about him because black men are, 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 are endangered species pretty much. People, are, these cops are just killing because they feel like if they don't have their body cams on, they have a right. And I tell my kids all the time, I said, dude, I don't care what's going on because at the end of the day, I want you coming home to me. If you have to lay down on the ground and they can kick you, beat you, at least you're going to go to the hospital and you're going to come home to me. If not now, when? That's, that's all I just want to hear from the rest of the night where everybody's pontificating and thinking and soapboxing and all of that. We know nothing is going to change. We get it. Martin Luther King got shot and risked his life, Mecca Evers, and we've seen this in all of our heroes constantly taken down. We understand it's not going to end. 
But that does not mean, young men, that you don't do anything. Don't listen to these people telling you don't do anything because it's not going to end right away. You are starting something for the next generation and the next generation to take over. Do you have to be smart? Yes. Do you have to make sure that you have a plan? Yes. Do you have to be articulate about that plan? Yes. All of those things. But that's what you're going to do. They're professionals. They know how to be the best of themselves. And so I applaud it. I applaud it because it is the young people. It is the young people leading the way. So, of course, the first clip was from Robert O'Reilly. Um, and then the second clip was from Chris Weber. So, Anthony, let me ask you, when you hear those two clips, uh, what, what are your thoughts? So when I hear those two clips, um, it, it takes me back to, you know, it's hard for me not to think about some of the personal experiences that I have had. Uh, and honestly, when I start thinking about that, I realize there's a lot more that has happened that then no one realized. Because I think as a black man, you know, you kind of deal with, not kind of, you deal with a lot of these injustices in different ways, forms, shapes, sizes, uh, far too often to where you kind of just chalk it up like, oh, well, it's just another, you know, it's just another day or, you know, it's just yeah. another one of those things to where I started to realize there's actually been quite a bit uh, that, that, um, that I would say that I have been, been impacted by. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, those situations, they start to shape your definitely your expectations um and depending on kind of the extent and the level of you know some of the things that you deal with especially as, as it pertains to law enforcement as an african-american man it really can kind of shape your beliefs and thoughts on them as a whole which yeah. is tough because obviously you know i mean there's of course they're not all the same right get that um but a lot of law enforcement officials are corrupt and it's not a new thing. It's, it's been going on for hundreds of years. You know, the thing that's, that's been helpful of late, not helpful, but at least the thing that, ha that has helped to bring this to light is the use of, of course, cameras, cell phones. You know, that's helped capture a lot of these incidents. I mean, you, if you think about it, if these incidents weren't even recorded, I mean, we wouldn't even know about this. Yeah. You know, and um, the thing that Robert Horry said, we didn't play that part, but he went a little further and he said that to police officers, having a body cam turned off means that they have the power to do essentially whatever they want to do, right? Yeah, exactly. And and it, the thing is, how many times do we hear about incidents? Well, first of all, how many how many are there that we don't hear about? But secondly, how many times do we hear about, you know, incidents, shootings, you know, unarmed black men and the body cam was turned off? No footage, no, you know, not, nothing like that. You know, and so what I kind of, as I take it back to whether the players, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, the players, they only just, you know, boycott it for two days. You know, what did they accomplish? Or they didn't really get anything done. And, you know, personally, I, initially I, I thought, I thought, I questioned how much would they really be able to change in a few days, right? But then I started thinking when we use the word accomplish, you know, if we were expecting them to be able to end racism in a day, that was not going to happen, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, even in a year, that was not going to happen. You know, um, I do think that, you know, I, I, I do understand that if they wanted to really make their case, make their statement, you know, spark change, I understand the argument behind, you know, them just saying we're not playing again. But on the flip side, I started thinking about it. And these interviews that we played, you know, just now, you know, if, if Robert Horry or Doc Rivers had one too, Doc Rivers, Chris Weber, yes. you know, if the, if the season was not in play, then these interviews that we're playing, that we're talking about, wouldn't have even gained any kind of steam or momentum. 
I mean, they could have posted them on IG maybe, but, but the fact is these are interviews that were taking place, you know, Doc Rivers was in front of ESPN cameras, you know, Chris Webber's TNT cameras, you know, a lot more of a bigger platform. And, you know, Chris Paul, you know, I hate to mention his name. <laughs> I hate to mention his name in a post-game interview when we just lost. But, of course, bigger than basketball, you know, right when the Rockets game was over, he started talking about, you know, the, the incident in, in Canossas, you know, Jacob Blake. So, you know, I mean, without that platform, that stage, you know, they really wouldn't have as big of a voice as they have right now. So I, I was torn on the issue of whether they should resume play or not. But I do see both angles. I do. Yeah, and it's kind of a either way. They're they're kind of it's a lose lose situation. They don't come back and play. Yes, they're making a statement, but at the same time, it's 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 their livelihood, it's their careers. They've sacrificed a lot in the bubble just to get there. Um, and if, if they come back and play tomorrow, then people are going to say, "Well, this was just a publicity stunt." Well, why are you coming back and playing so soon? So it's like either way they would have lost. But I, the main thing I want people to get from this is that these athletes are human beings just like anybody else. They've had these experiences that nobody knows about. And when they're talking about it, it's personal for them. It's not just some uh, way to get out in the public and get sympathy. This is stuff that you know we as black men deal with every single day. Um, it was just funny, of course, you know, being on Twitter – um, like we both are, you oh, see Twitter's that, the worst, man. Yeah, you 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 see the 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 main things coming out is, well, why why don't they uh, protest against China or, or 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 why are they trying to protest for a a, a convicted felon and, and and it's like people don't realize that it's not just a one instance thing. It's not just this one shooting. This has been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years. We can even narrow it down to this year. <laughs> how many yeah. how many how many unarmed black people have been shot and killed just within this year right. and and what people don't understand is us as black people we fear for our life just walking out the door so when you hear these athletes saying you know how much this affect them i mean just think about it uh we were both talking about this it was hard to focus the last couple of days at, yeah. at our jobs after, you know, we heard the news after seeing what happened Sunday with the shooting, it was hard for us to focus. So imagine professional athletes in a bubble at the highest level of their careers in the playoffs trying to focus and try to play. I mean, you got to understand, it's hard enough doing it on our jobs where we don't have everybody watching us every single second uh, within a three or four hour period. but just imagine these athletes trying to focus and try to play. So for people that say, well, they should just keep playing it. They shouldn't stop. They're human beings just like anybody else. And they have experiences. I've had my own experiences where, where I've been harassed by, by the cops for no reason. I've been pulled over and not given a reason why I'm pulled over and have my information ran just because. I've been followed by cops for blocks and blocks and never pulled over just so they can run my license plate. And this is like normal. Like you said, it's getting to the point where it's normal. It shouldn't be normal, but it's, it's, it's so normal that a lot of times you forget a lot of stuff that's happened to you. So 
that's the main thing I want people to understand that they're human beings just like anybody else. And no, it's not going to change. And just like Weber said, of course, it's not going to change tomorrow. It's not going to change the next day. It's not going to change within a year. But they're inspiring other people that may come after them that may even do even more greater things. You never know. So to sit and say, well, why are they doing It's not going to change anything. To me, that's kind of a mute point. They're making the change that they think is best for the influence that they have. So even if they play again tomorrow, they've showed that at least we can stop playing if we think it's the right thing to do. And I think a lot of people have problems with them having that much power. And that's one thing that I really have loved about the whole situation is that, you know, because I personally had the belief and the opinion and the take that, you know, whether they play or not, you know, I support them 100%. You know, yeah. I've, of course, enjoyed watching the game. Some of them have been great games. Some of them for Rockets fans have not necessarily been, <laughs> yeah. been, been great, great finishes, especially the last couple games. But, you know, what I really – I mean, like I said, I have enjoyed watching the games, but what I really love is the fact that they have – they realize that we do have this power. Yes. You know, we can end the season if we decide we want to. You know, we – I mean, the, the NBA – was first well the Bucks were first to um, boycott their game, and then you saw Major League Baseball follow suit. Now hockey yes. follows suit, you know. And we're talking about leagues, especially baseball and hockey, that don't have a large amount of, of blacks, you know. So, so, so I thought that that was really powerful. But, but one thing that that I experienced, you know, um, with I guess through police that that I, I do want to kind of highlight a little bit briefly um, is well, there's two two things, but I want to touch on them briefly. Uh, one time I was on the way home from a Rockets game, me and my dad, my dad's an attorney. He was pulled over by police. And I'm like, I think I was like, maybe like 14, maybe like freshman in high school or something. And yeah, you know, my dad has this thing where he always, you know, make, make sure to tell the officer, I have my insurance card in my glove box. Do you mind if I reach for that? Yeah. Um, and the officer's like, yeah, put your hand on the steering wheel, sir. My dad was like, yes, sir. You know, uh, the guy asked him for a proof of insurance. But I was like, yeah, I have it in the glove box. Do you mind if I reach for it? And my guy goes, what did I just tell you, boy? And I remember thinking, like, like what? And my dad is an attorney, so my dad kind of he he kind of clapped back. He's like, "Sir, I'm a you know I'm an attorney of the law. I know more about the law than you do." And he said, "Boy, back to the officer." And I remember thinking, like, "Man, this is not gonna end well. This yeah. is not gonna end well at all." But once he said that, he was an attorney. Then I noticed the officer's like, "Well, hey, sorry, hey, sir. Well, I'm sorry, sir. Well, here's sir. Well, here's what I was doing, sir. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean. You know, it's like it's a lot more like." backtracking right but one other experience and that's a brief story but one other experience that was really kind of profound to me my brother used to be a cop and i won't say what agency he was at of course for obvious reasons but um, my brother was a cop and um when i was in uh, an undergrad you know i was a criminal justice student so i did, I did a lot along with him because i thought i wanted to be a cop also i thought that back then <laughs> i don't know what i was thinking but i thought that back then so i did a ride along with him and we're just you know on, on the southwest freeway and he happens to see this Cadillac, you know, it, it was, it's what us Houstonians would call a slab, right? Yeah, you know, it, it's yeah, know kind of, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, it's broad daylight, like 2, 3 p.m. And he goes, that would be a good stop right there. And I'm like, you know, like, I'm trying to figure why would that be a good stop? You know, to my eye, naked eye, you know, the dude was obeying the rules of the roadways, you know. Um, so I asked him, I was like, hmm, I'm curious. That's interesting. You say that would be a good stop. Why you choose that car? And he's like, well, look at the car. That's a nice car. He's like, if you know, this Dennis was African-American dude, unfortunately. And he's like, um, you know, I mean, 
that's a nice car. How did he get that car? You know, he must, he must have something, you know, must have some drugs on him or something. And I remember thinking like, you know, my brother's an African-American man, just like me. Yes. And I remember thinking like, man, like, did they, are they training you to think like this? Because we were not brought up like that at all, yeah. you know? So I started thinking like, man, is that how they're, is that really the training that they're, that's being provided for these officers? Because if that's the case, then of course there's the, these incidents. I mean, you have people that were racism. I, 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 I don't believe you're born racist, but I think that a lot of people are raised that way by their parents or people who, you know, family members or grandparents, whatever, whoever they're around. So that's already an inherent thing. But if police departments are teaching all their officers this set of training, then that's really scary. Yeah, and, and and I think what people don't realize is it's not just this generation that we've had to deal with it. It's our parents. It's our parents' parents. I mean, we're not that far removed from Jim Crow laws. I mean, people like to say slavery was 400 plus years ago, you know, get over it, but it's been a lot more that's happened since slavery. <laughs> it wasn't just slavery and oh, then yeah. the Civil Rights Act and then everything was great. There was a lot of stuff that's happened in between then and after that. And just speaking from one of my experiences, I remember um, me and my friend, we were driving, we're not driving crazy, going to the movies, um, pulling over by a gas station, and a cop came out of nowhere on his loud horns, pull over, get over now. So we're like, what in the world's going on? So we pull over, they tell us, stay in the car. We sit there for at least 10 or 15 minutes. They ran our license plate, never got out of the car. And then as soon as they ran a license plate and didn't find anything, they were gone. No explanation, no sorry to bother you, no nothing. And this is the type of stuff that not only, you know, you and myself have to have to deal with. Just think about it if we, you know, bring it back to the NBA. You have yeah. Sterling Brown, who was basically almost electrocuted, was thrown to the ground. Um, was you know harassed to no end and then the cop gets on on social media and makes a joke about it right you have Thabosha yeah who had a whole lawsuit he had to file because he was it was mistaken identity basically where he he gets beaten yeah, he I mean, had a broken leg broken leg his career is almost over and I'm sure there's countless other NBA players that have had to deal with the exact same thing. So you got to, people have to put all of that in perspective when they see these players saying they, they don't want to play when they see another black man shot. So when people wonder why it's hard for them to continue to play, they need to realize that all this stuff adds up and all this stuff is in our heads and it's, it's not easy just to say oh well you should just move on because some cops are are bad all right. we see is what we see and all we can do is deal with what we've been through and these are real personal experiences for us so you know us as black men we can understand why they can't play and why they decide to boycott and i'm with you if they decide not to play for the rest of the year much as i love the rockets I would have been all for it. If they decide they want to come back and play and they think that's the best thing for them, I'm all for it. Because at the end of the day, it shouldn't all be on professional athletes. <laughs> I mean, we're not the problem. Black people aren't the problem. Professional athletes aren't the problem. They shouldn't have to solve all of the world's problems. 
That's why we have elected officials. So if they decide they want to come back and play, or if they don't want to play, either way, I'm supporting them 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's really, that shouldn't be difficult for other people to see, you know, um, because like we said, a lot of these players, they have kids, you know, like Robert Horry said, you know, he, he's got a son. He said he had a 14 year old son and a 21 year old son. Yes. You know, a lot of those, a lot of these players do have kids that are, that are around that age. And it would be impossible for them to see that video or any of these videos that, that have circulated, whether it's George Floyd also, and not think about, man, this could be my son or my daughter, you know, yes. um, especially in the case of Breonna Taylor, you know. Um, so, that, yeah, so, so my take was that whatever they decided, you know, I was going to support them if the games continued. I, I would love watching them, you know, talking about them um, if they didn't. Then, you know, much as I would hate seeing a product, I would also appreciate and respect the fact that what they're standing for is so much greater than that. Yeah, and they have their meetings today. Um, so let me let me ask you, do you see going forward, do you see even more initiatives, more, um, I'll just say, more progress coming from this? Because um, at the end of the day, it's really about them getting this across to the owners of these teams, because let's be honest, the owners of the team have major influence. They have influence um, within their cities. They have influence within their states. They have influence with politicians. Um, do you see the players being able to, you know, get anything across them where they make a difference? Um, so that's the part that I think is debatable uh, regarding how much change will happen. I do think that there will be some change, of course. What I worry about is like anything else in the very beginning, you know, there's initiatives, movements, you know, a lot, a lot of steam, momentum behind these efforts. And then, you know, as time prevails, progresses, it becomes kind of kind of fades away, you know. Uh, I definitely worry that you know, the more time passes, you know, with these initiatives that have already been kicked off, the less they'll be covered and discussed, which is really going to be a problem because honestly, if they're not really being discussed or being mentioned, we won't even really know that it's going on, yeah. you know? So that, that's what I worry about. I worry about moving forward, the media's lack of coverage with it because it's not, it's never going to be in the eyes of like media members, it's never going to be like a sensation or like a sexy topic. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, and exactly, and at the end of the day, uh, the media and you know, people on TV, they're, they're about ratings. And they know that, yes, you know, they'll get some ratings because they, you know, it's a divided issue. But like you said, it's, it's not anything that's new, not anything that's fresh. So at the end of the day, they're, they're only going to cover so much of it. So really, it, it comes down to, I would just say, all of us, especially as black people, to just do what we can because again you can't you can't depend on the athletes to do everything i mean they're not politicians they weren't elected to make you know sweeping changes they can only do so much so that, i guess that's why at the end of the day i'm i'm supporting what they're doing because they're doing something they're not just sitting back and and just saying well nothing we can do they're at least trying to do something so to me that's my biggest kind of takeaway from all of this yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, so that, that I agree with you. You, know, you can't just sit on your hands and say, oh, well, we can't do anything, especially now that the players realize how much power they have, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happy that they, you know, I'm happy with, with the fact that they said we're not playing these games 
you know, anymore until, you know, there's change, especially the Bucks. They were, they were trying to get a hold of the, the state, um, the state, the district attorney, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Yeah, and they actually were able to talk to some of the officials. They were trying to get the legislation or the legislators back in session because apparently they haven't been in session forever, trying to get some type of movement going. So, you know, whatever you want to say about whether they should have done it or not done it, you know, at least they're trying to make some type of change. At least they're trying to get something across. I mean, even today with the, you know, to bring it back to the Rockets, now they've opened up Toyota Center for voting, which yeah. may not seem like a big deal to some people, but with, That's huge. with the lack of uh, areas to where you can actually go vote and then the fact that more and more of them are getting cut out, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a big deal to be able to have a venue the size of Toyota Center to be able to go vote at. So, I mean, stuff like that only comes from when pressure is applied. So, again, it may not seem like a big deal to some people. It may have been just more of an annoyance because they want to watch basketball. But to me, it's, it's a big deal, and I'm glad they did it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I definitely second that. So – to wrap everything up, um, like we've been saying, um, there haven't been a confirmation yet on whether there's going to be basketball or not, but uh, more than likely they'll be playing this weekend. Um, but I, like I said, I just like to say, I, I think it was a great thing that they did. It brought even more awareness to something that you can never have too many people paying attention to. So at the end of the day, it's, it's a great thing. And I, I'm, I'm glad they took a stand and hopefully – you know, we'll see. Only time will tell something will come from it. So um, so that'll kind of wrap up segment one. And segment two, uh, we'll be actually discussing the next game coming up. And uh, we'll kind of give our thoughts on where we see it going. Um, we'll give our thoughts on whether we think Russell Westbrook will play. And um, kind of just give our overall feel on if the Rockets can finally uh, win their first game out of the last uh, three games. So please stay tuned. Support for this podcast comes from AT&T. All right, so there are a lot of reasons to like AT&T 5G. Check this out. My friend Lisa, who is a professional race car driver and base jump wingsuit enthusiast, likes AT&T 5G because it's fast. My friend Terry, who's a bodyguard who once also wrestled a hyena when he got too close to his client on safari, likes AT&T 5G because it's secure. And my friend Sasha, who's a librarian and hasn't missed a day of work in 27 years. Ooh, not even that time she broke both her legs and had the measles, likes AT&T 5G because it's reliable. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's fast, secure, and reliable. And now nationwide. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires a compatible plan. 5G may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for 5G coverage details. And we are back for the second half of the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you enjoy the show, please do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. During this final segment, we'll be discussing uh, more of the Game 5 of the uh, Rockets Thunder series. Uh, we'll also discuss, you know, our predictions on regarding whether Western Rest is going to play through his injury or not. Um, and so we'll just start right there. So what are your thoughts on Russell Westbrook, who's been out the first four games of this series? You know, he had what I think is kind of a mysterious injury. Um, based on the timing, at least. What are your thoughts on what we'll see or if we'll see him at all in game five? So 
basically the way I see it is he was probably going to play last um probably was gonna play um the previous time. Wednesday. They, yeah, uh Thursday when or Wednesday when they were actually scheduled to play initially. Um at first they had listed him as out and then as the day went on he was listed as questionable and you know usually when they're ramping it up like that and then it got to the point where they're saying he's going to test it on the court so once you get to the point where you're testing it on the court to me especially when the playoffs are here and it's, and it's Westbrook to me he was going to play anyway so I, I really don't see with a couple of extra days I really don't see any way he doesn't play this game unless he has some type of setback that we just don't know about so I really see him playing. I guess the main thing is going to be, is he going to come out amped up and kind of try to take over the game? Or is he going to play more within the confines of the offense? I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Because to me, anyway, if, if Westbrook is back to regular Westbrook, the way he was um, pre-bubble and even like a couple of games in the bubble, um, I don't personally see a way OKC is going to win because – I haven't really seen anything to me that makes me just say, wow, OKC is like unbeatable. I don't know how the Rockets are going to beat them. They won two games, but both of those games, the Rockets could have easily won. I think it was really more about the Rockets making mistakes and, and you know, not finishing off than anything really the Thunder were doing. Yeah, so so I agree with that. I mean, when it comes to his, his injury, you know, uh, they showed video of him and Chris Paul before what would have been game five on Wednesday yeah. in the hallway. And Westbrook had on arm sleeves, leg sleeves. I mean, he was about to play. <laughs> yes, exactly. He, he was about to play. He, you don't wear arm sleeves and, and, you know, leg tights, leg sleeves just for, you know, pregame warmups. He yeah. was about to play. So I do think that we'll see him. I know I think I saw during game – before game – well, during game four they showed footage of he had a pregame work out before the game started where he looked like he was doing a full-on scrimmage you know without any kind of limitations so I thought well maybe he might be sore on Tuesday but I mean like you said now I mean it's Thursday right now but the game whether it starts on Friday or Saturday I mean you know that that, that would have been you know plenty of time ample time for uh, for him to get you know to get back back healthy so I do think we'll see him and that I think will make a huge difference in this series because uh, Oklahoma City does not have anyone that can, you know, stick with him when he's driving. You know, he has athleticism, quickness, speed, elusiveness. You know, there's not anyone on that team that has that. Uh, obviously, Dort is one of the – he's been a great defender. But Dort is – I think Dort is a better matchup for Harden, obviously, because Harden's game is not, you know, attacking, you know, um, at a frenetic pace like like Westbrook does. So, so – I think that he has the ability to attack them uh, on offense due, due to his hard charging style, which would be great because the Rockets, we know this, they like to shoot threes and make or miss, they're going to keep on chucking them. <laughs> and it cost us, you know, in, in one of the last games, to close the game out, I think three for 23 from long range. Uh, obviously, they're in that kind of situation. Playoff moments where you need some variability, you need some variety. You know, and Westbrook driving to the you know to the basket, mid-range elbow jumper that he has. You know, that's a good you know variety that especially that we needed or that we will need in postseason games down the stretch. But what I also think has not been discussed enough is the Dennis Schroeder factor, right? Yes. Dennis Schroeder has been gashing the Rockets really by just driving to the basket. You know, uh, and while Westbrook is not a Gary Payton-esque defender, he does have the athleticism at least 
to cut him off on, on at least some of his drives um, or to at least, you know, contest some, some of those, you know, uh, drives to the basket. So there's that. But on the first that, Westbrook has the ability to get Schroeder in foul trouble because Westbrook's going to drive and attack. And that is exactly what we need. We need some way to, to limit Dennis Schroeder. It's shocking to say this because he's really not shooting that great. But Dennis Schroeder has been gashing the Rockets. In the two wins that they've had, I saw he's averaged like 30 points. In the two losses the Thunder have had, he's only averaged 10 points. So, I mean, it's clear that Schroeder is the X factor. And I think Westbrook has the ability to, to counter that on both offense and defense. Yeah, and that's kind of leads to my, my next thought is the Rockets, not a lot of people have talked about it, but their defense hasn't been up to par the last couple of games. I mean, if you go back to their game two win, the reason why they won a game wasn't because of their offense. It, that was actually a game, another game, Harden was completely off, and the offense was struggling. They won a game because they were playing lockdown defense. I mean, the last two games they gave up 119 points, and then they gave up 117 points. I mean, if they play anywhere near the same level of defense they did in game one and game two, they definitely at least win one. Maybe maybe the series is already over. But it almost kind of seems like their defense kind of went back to uh, pre-bubble or first-half Dallas Mavericks defense where they were getting blown by pretty much every play. And another thing i like to point out, I don't know – to me it seems like Robert Covington is a step slower, uh, especially since the playoffs. I mean, before he could at least stay in front of some of these guards, but I mean, it seems like every time they switch a guard and and Covington has to guard them, they're getting by him pretty much every single time. Honestly, and I don't want to, I don't want to just be throwing Jeff Green name out there all the time, but Jeff Green. No, we know it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> it was no, it's coming. Jeff Green is is actually done a better job of staying in front of the guards because, as you saw on the one play. Um, where Schroeder got to the basket, at the end of the game, it was kind of the defining layup. He blew by uh, Robert Covington again. It's, it almost seemed like the Rockets need to change their defense approach instead of con- con- uh, you know, constantly switching. Like they were kind of doing with Capella towards the end, it was more of him dropping back instead of just coming out hard trying to guard you know, guards that he can't stay with. And you know, with Dennis Schroeder, to me, I would much rather him shooting 25-footers than giving him layups. Um, like last game, he was 10 for 19. or I'm sorry, 10 for 16 from the field. Yeah. I mean, if he's going to make four or seven threes like he did last game, then you live with it. But you, you can't constantly give him layups because guess what it does? It gets you in foul trouble, which the Rockets were in foul trouble all last game. Man. Yeah. The Thunder shot 28 free throws compared to their 10. And that's why even though the Rockets shot 40-plus from three-point range, it didn't matter because they weren't getting to the free throw line and the Thunder were. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we also have to acknowledge there was some awful officiating. That is true. Man, there was some really, really, really egregious. I mean, the the travel call on Harden's step back, I mean, he's been doing that all season, and that yeah. they haven't that has not been called a travel. That, that was a horrible call, yes. I mean, they, they called a they called a uh, offensive foul. I want to say on uh, Daniel House on a play where he he uh, looked like he elbowed. Um, I, I forget who, who it was. Was it um, was it Dort? Yeah, I think it was Dort. that was trying to set a pick. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, which was an awful call. <laughs> I mean, there's been there's been a lot of them. You know, PJ Tucker's had five fouls. I think each each of the last two games. You know, and I know I, I know that a lot of that is Chris Paul, you know, in, in that mid-range. Chris Paul yeah. is hunting out P.J. Tucker for that purpose. 
One thing I one thing I've been disappointed with with Mike D'Antoni, especially in this series, and it's gonna sound like broken record because we've had this problem with him before in the past about his rotations. But the one thing I don't like about how he is, we've already acknowledged that the officiating in the bubble has been, you know, tightly called games. You know, it's it's bogus. It's it's no fun. It's BS. But if that's how they're gonna call it. Then you got to adjust to it. Dan Tony has this tendency, especially with this series with Covington and McLemore. They both get in foul trouble, and he, like, yanks them, you know. And it's, it seems like – I remember in one of the games, we didn't even see Covington at all in crunch time. Yeah, just I think it was game minutes. three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's, and, and I get it. His shots – you know, his shots, by and large, haven't been falling. And he definitely is a step too slow when it comes to Schroeder driving. But you still are a better team. In crunch time, you need Rocco out there on the floor. You do. I think you need him out there on the floor – especially for his defense, um, you know, and, 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 and even in the Dallas – I think it was that Dallas game or was it the Milwaukee game where he had that late game tip in that won the game? Was that Dallas? Yeah, that was, a, that was uh, in the Dallas game. I think that's the one that actually got him to overtime. Off yeah, the yeah. Court, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you've got to have Roku out there on the floor. McLemore, he's been up and down. We knew they were going to hunt him out. We knew that he was going to get in foul trouble. We know their guards are going to go at him. But in my opinion, this is the thing. This is how I see it. If if Mike D'Antoni is going to pull Ben McLemore when he gets in foul trouble and sit him the whole – basically the whole second half or the whole fourth quarter, then why don't you just let him foul out anyways? Because he's not going to go back in the game regardless. You know, if he has a shot falling, and obviously the, we know the Rockets are a streaky three-point shooting team, then you're not going to play him again the rest of the game anyways. Then let, let him foul out. Why, why would you yank him and not put him in at all when he has – you know, let's just say two early fouls, three early fouls, and not put him back in at all in the second half. Yeah, he only played eight minutes last game. Um, ben McLemore is is a volume shooter. When he gets hot, he's a rhythm shooter. It's hard for him to get in rhythm if he's only playing, what, a few minutes in the first half and a few minutes in the second half. I mean, I understand that they are going to look for him, the Thunder, on every single pick and roll. But like you said, I mean, he's not in there for his defense. He's in there to get you shots. I mean, the Rockets made, what, eight threes in a row in the third quarter. Everything looked great. But guess what happened in the fourth quarter? They all went cold. Right. If you make one or two threes in that fourth quarter, you win that game. And I understand, like I said, I understand that McLemore can't stay in front of anybody. But that's kind of where coaching comes into it. you got to design it in a way that he's not out there on the island. He's not, you know, playing one-on-one against, you know, their three guards. you got to find a way to get him on the court because he is absolutely your best shooter. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He has the quickest shot. He has the best percentage. He has to play more than eight minutes. And I'm even I'm more even worried now. If Westbrook comes back and Gordon goes to the bench, I don't even know if McLemore even gets on the court, to be honest with you, the way D'Antoni's, you know, doing his rotation right now. And if that's the case, then we need Rivers to, you know, Austin Rivers is gonna have to play a little bit better. Yeah. Uh he he had he we obviously have seen that he can take over a game or take over a quarter or whatever you need him to do. Uh, it, we haven't really seen a large enough dose of that, in my opinion, in this series. So um, if, if we're not going to see Mathlamore or we're going to cut his minutes, we're going to need Rivers to play more because, frankly, that's – I mean, 
Gordon, I mean, to me, what we're getting out of Eric Gordon right now is better than we could have expected. Yeah, or asked I'll, for. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even with his outside shot, you know, being here and there, more so not here, <laughs> uh, you're still getting about what you could ask for out of EG, especially right now. So that means that you're going to have to have better guard play elsewhere. And if McLemore is not going to be an option, then Rivers is going to have to take on and shorter that load. You know, and and like I said, you know, he's he's had some fine moments in this series, but we're going to need a larger dose of it if we're not going to be able to, to get McLemore. Because in game one, McLemore showed exactly what he can do. I mean, McLemore was was hot from three in game one. You know, he had four three-pointers. I think I think it went 80%. I want to say four or five. Yeah, he, he be was wrong. shooting well yeah, in the first game. Yeah, I mean, 14 points, you know. Um, so, if we're not going to get uh, – you know, a healthy serving of minutes for Macklemore because of foul trouble or whatever, then that's going to mean that our only other option, especially lately, will be Rivers. Now with Westbrook back, that helps a lot because, you know, they were staggering minutes, of course, where Harden or Westbrook were running second unit, you know, at all times. So that helps out a lot. Um, I worry, though, about about too much being put on Russ in his first game back, you know, series 2-2, okay, gain some momentum. You know, uh, it's going to be personal for him playing against OKC. You know, um, I know he doesn't care about people saying that the Rockets shouldn't have traded, you know, Chris Paul for him. He doesn't care about any, anybody's opinions, yeah. which I love that. But I do think it's going to be a, a you know, emotional situation for him. I just hope that that he's not going to uh, tweak it again. That would suck, man. Yeah, and, I mean, another benefit of Westbrook coming back is that means Gordon is probably going to the bench because the last – um, the, ever since the first game where they scored 40-plus points on the bench, it just went down like pretty much like a nosedive the last three games. Last game, they only had 13 points off the bench. And if you look at it, Harden had to play 40-plus minutes. And, yes, um, he's in better shape. Yes, you know, they have the months off. But you still can wear a player down if he's having to play 40 to 45 minutes a game and we're still in the first round. So, like you said earlier, you got to get more from Austin Rivers. Um, with, if Eric Gordon goes back to the bench, hopefully that helps out. That gives you more scoring off the bench because we all know Austin Rivers, one game can give you 50, the next game he can give you zero. That's yeah. just kind of how the, the player he <laughs> is. And if Ben McElmore is not going to get a lot of time, they got to get bench scoring from somewhere because you can't – because we all seen it, the, the, the plus minuses for, for when Harden is – on the court and when Harden is off the court. And if they're not getting more scoring from the bench, you know OKC is going to get scoring off their bench, at least from one player. And you you got to be able to match that because you, you can't keep losing these non-Harden minutes. And hopefully with Westbrook back, that'll kind of limit that and maybe Harden won't have to play 40-plus minutes. And maybe you get more than 13 points off your bench, which, of course, will make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, so that that's that will make a difference. I worry about Harden being burned down or yeah. worn worn out. Uh, I should say worn down throughout this series. Uh, I, I I do think that the, the you know one of the one of the many positives about the last few days in the NBA of, of no activity. Of course, we talked about the power of you know them discovering their power. Yeah, but. I also think that these guys being able to get some rest, especially in the Rocket series, because we know D'Antoni plays, you know, thin rotation. Um, so especially as it pertains to Harden, I think he's been asked to do a lot 
you know, he um, he's had some great games, but, you know, he's had some late game meltdowns uh, recently, especially with his shot selection. Man. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at it, especially with that late game turnover, and, and, and this is the thing, we all know that Harden is, you know, all world is going to be a Hall of Famer. And, of course, he's held to a much higher standard than almost anybody outside of LeBron James in the league. I mean, last game he had eight rebounds, 15 assists. He had 32 points. And all anybody's going to remember is that turnover at the end of the game. Right. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of par for the course when it comes to Harden. And don't get me wrong, I know Dort is playing great defense, but I think people are kind of exaggerating a little bit when they say he's basically like the Harden stopper. I mean, Harden is oh, doing 30-plus points a game. And if you look at the actual game, not to go too far into this because we only got a few minutes left, but if you look at the actual game, Harden is getting by him on drives. It's just that they're, they're so not worried about the Rockets shooters that they are surrounding Harden on every single drive. And I, I, I keep hearing people say, well, Harden should drive, Harden should drive, Harden should drive. It's kind of hard to drive into – the entire state of Oklahoma when they're watching you every single <laughs> drive. So I think people just need to realize that the Rockets make their shots like they did last game, but actually play some defense, unlike last game, with Westbrook coming back. I just – I really don't see – maybe I'm just being naive. I don't see any way the Thunder win any, either one of these next two games if Westbrook – is playing at anywhere near the level that he had played for most of the year. Again, like I said, it depends on how Westbrook comes out. If he's, like, laboring and not being aggressive, which I just don't see Westbrook doing that. If he's on the court, he's going to play hard. But if there's any effects from that, that, that strain quad, then maybe they'll have a chance. But it's been practically even without one of the best point guards in the league playing for the Rockets. So. I just don't see a path to where Oklahoma City can pull out the rest of the series. Yeah, I mean, they definitely that, – that West, like I said, Westbrook would be the element that they don't have an answer for, um, and Westbrook is the element that can pose problems for them on each end of the floor, I, I, in my opinion. Yeah, and so I guess, you know, I'll kind of give my thoughts. Westbrook plays, I think the Rockets take game five and, you know, take kind of – kind of take a stranglehold on the series. Um, but, of course, like I said, we'll see. So, well, what's your overall thoughts? Do you see them pulling it out if Westbrook is playing? Yeah, so with the with the fully healthy Westbrook back, as we know he is now, well, at least I believe he is now, um, I think Rockets win the next two games and close it out in six. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And now that I kind of go with my original six game that didn't wasn't looking too good for, there for a while, but – uh, with Westbrook Bragg, I, I definitely feel a lot more confident. Um, but but again, I, I appreciate you joining me, Anthony. It was it was great. I think we had a always great conversation. A definitely, um, always good having you on. So I think that'll kind of do it for today's episode. Uh, so if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad podcast covering your Houston Rockets.